Bucknoters, welcome to the Bucknuts Morning Five here on Wednesday, November twentieth, twenty nineteen. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale. Bax, obviously, no surprise. Ohio State stayed at number two in the college football playoff rankings, which were released last night. LSU stays in the top spot. My question for you, uh, just as you see it, what's Ohio State's path back to number one, other than maybe LSU losing? Uh, it just comes down to style points. Just what, what do you think? Or because Ohio State plays Penn State and Michigan. Will it not even come down to style points? If Ohio State just wins out and takes care of business, do you think they could end up being number one? Just how do you how do you see Ohio State's path back to number one? Well, I think you win your final three games. Uh, I think it's that simple. Uh, look, LSU's remaining schedule is like Arkansas and Texas A&M and then Georgia, right? So the Georgia game's a good one, obviously. But, you know, the, this is a committee that Ohio State was ahead of LSU with until the Alabama game, right? So... I mean, there's not a lot of difference between LSU's resume and OSU's overall body of work. You add a win over a top 10 Penn State team, a win over a top 15 Michigan team, and then a win over whoever is, wins the Big Ten West will be in the top 15 as well. You know, that's three straight ranked wins over really good football teams. So if OSU does its job here, and this is the most critical stretch of the season, I think the committee's going to be hard-pressed not to put them number one. Plain and simple. So... You know, we'll have to wait and see how it all plays out. But I think the committee was already inclined towards leaning towards OSU before uh, LSU had that resume boost from beating Alabama. OSU goes out and takes care of business. They're going to they're they're gonna likely be back at one, is my guess. They go out and they bomb a couple of these teams, like they've been doing to everybody else this year, then they're definitely going to be number one. But even just beating teams with those kind of resumes is a good win. And I think that'll be enough to get them the top seed and the choice of their home advantage and a favorable matchup at this point because I think the one seed is incredibly valuable this year. No kidding. Um, let's look ahead to the Ohio State-Penn State game. Um, how do you see this one shaking out? Just uh, what are your thoughts when you look at this matchup? Well, I think OSU's the far, by far the better team, but you have to remember how tight the games have been the last couple of years. Uh, let's, let's be honest. I mean, two years ago, JT Barrett played the game of his life, and it was enough to beat Penn State by one point. Uh, last year, they had that big comeback in Happy Valley, and they won by one point. They, two, uh, two years ago, or I guess three years ago now, had they not given up a blocked field goal for a touchdown, they probably win that game by three points or something. So it's been tight. The difference was is that they had Trace McSorley at quarterback, and they had Saquon Barkley at running back for a couple of those years, and I don't see anybody of that same caliber in the offense for Penn State this year. Um, I kind of like with Wisconsin, though. When Wisconsin came to the horseshoe, we said, man, if OSU blows this team out, we know this team's really good. This is a very good Penn State team. They have a very good defense. Um, K.J. Hamler is terrifying with the football in his hands. Uh, But I'm not that sold on their running game being that good. Their O-line has been improved, but is it great? I don't think Sean Clifford's an elite quarterback. Um, I I do think Penn State will certainly make things interesting, but in the end – I think this is a really loaded OSU football team. And I, I, I'm generally leaning towards believing that these Buckeyes are going to put up a pretty decent number, and Penn State's going to have trouble scoring against this just ridiculously good defense that hasn't had to play more than a half 
in a long time. I mean, when was the last time they played a full game? Even against Wisconsin in the fourth quarter, they were bringing in the second strike. So, you know, I, I think this is a game where OSU is going to come all out and is going to be ready to rock and roll because this is the Big Ten East on the line. But I, I think the Buckeyes win this game, and I think they end up taking a reasonably close game and making it a wider margin by the time the final score happens. Yeah, I like the Buckeyes a lot in this one. Um, not like it's going to be 63-14 to 14 or anything to, to bring up a score that's happened twice in this rivalry, uh, once to each team, but I do think Ohio State's going to win by three scores or more. And it does help Ohio State as I look ahead to the weather forecast. It has turned a little bit uh, for the better. Um, still going to be a relatively cool day, um, you know, upper 30s, high of 41. Um, but it's going to be dry, it looks like, now. They're not, now they're not calling for any rain or wintry mix until Saturday night. So everybody that wanted a night game, um, first of all, I don't know if I, I guarantee you uh, that Ryan Day doesn't want a night game the week before they play Michigan. They want to get this game over with and then get right to work for Michigan. Um, and and furthermore, now it's going to be dry conditions for the game, it looks like, unless the weather changes again, which is entirely possible, especially here in the OHIO, but backs that does help Ohio State. They're the faster team. Not the Penn State doesn't have speed. Obviously, KJ Hamler is one of the quicker guys in the nation. Um, but this helps Ohio State if, if the weather holds true here. That now it's looking like the rain will hold off. The wintry mix will hold off until Saturday night, and we'll have dry conditions for the game. I I also think it eliminates the element of randomness that comes along with wet weather games. Uh, if you're on the front row, you saw our post about the that I put up about saying there was potential for snow and. Some people are like, oh, you snowflake, why are you such a nervous Nelly? Have some balls. And I'm like, guys, I'm not worried about the game as much. I don't like the element of randomness that comes with snow. Yes, bad weather games in the past were bad because JT Barrett didn't have the arm to throw and wind. But in, and the truth is, if you have this game and you take out the chance of OSU accidentally squibbing a couple fumbles or something, then Penn State really doesn't have a great chance. The way they win this game is that if OSU turns the football over and gives them short fields, right? And that's much more likely to happen if you have a wet weather game. You know, that's when you roll the roll the turnover dice a lot more frequently. So having this game in cold but dry weather is perfect because that's great for OSU. And in the end of the day, they're the better team. I expect OSU to win good weather, bad weather, right? But having dry weather makes it a little easier to get that passing game going, which will be the way that they blow the top off of this Penn State defense. And that's a good thing for OSU. We have to tread lightly when we ask Ryan Day questions about injuries, but uh, I asked him questions about injuries yesterday, and I treaded lightly. I prefaced it with, I know you're not going to get specific, you can't get specific, but I just wanted to know if he was, you know, what he would say about some of the injured guys and, and if he was optimistic they would get some of those guys back and just how important some of these guys are. And I'm talking about, you know, Austin Mack, um, you know, guys like Baron Browning, Jonathan Cooper, Oh, you're going to throw Damon Arnett in there, even though we all know what's going on with him. He's had the broken arm. He's been playing through it. Why do that against Rutgers? No reason to. Make the trip, sit out, let Cam Brown get in there, and, and seven banks, and that's exactly what they did. But I did ask Ryan Day about those guys specifically, and I said, you know, without getting into details, how do you feel? Are you optimistic? And he said, more than I expected, he would back. He said, I, I am optimistic that we're going to get those guys back. He said, we were probably even a little too cautious last week, is how he put it, or overly cautious. So good news there. Doesn't mean they're going to get every all the four of those guys back this week. Although, you know, reading between the lines, it, it sounds like they might get all four of those guys back this week. And to me, that's huge. You can't have enough depth. Not to mention you can't have tough Borland covering Pat Frankenstein at a tight end for Penn State, he's a really good tight end. Uh, this is the kind of game where you need Baron Browning uh, against a more dynamic running quarterback. 
but you need Baron Browning to be the guy who can break up those passes across the middle. Look, Penn State's way they win this game is they need to move Hamler around in the slot. They need to get him away from Sean Wade. They need to get him on a running or a wide receiver. No, I'm sorry. I want the linebackers like Pete Warner, right? Like Hamler on Warner is a win for Penn State, right? So they're going to be moving him around left and right, hoping to get him on somebody. And I think OSU's probably going to have Wade follow him around uh, as one as the interior guy. But, you know, they've got that tight end as well. Pat Fryermuth is his real name. Pat Flingenfurter, whatever you want to say. Pat Rowengartner? I don't know. But um, <laughs> the truth is, is that, you know, your, 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 your linebackers are going to have to be able to handle him because he's going to be sort of the safety valve for what Clifford does throwing the football. If you have linebackers who can stay with them, then there's a potential there for interceptions. There's a potential there for Clifford to have to hold the ball and get mauled by the D line. So those are their two difference makers. And getting a guy like Baron Browning back directly affects a lot of things that they try to do with those guys. So that's a that's a critical one, in my opinion, in this game. And as good as Tough has played the last couple of games, let's face it, the last couple of games have not been against teams as good as Penn State. So you know, I, I, I think Austin Max is a bit of the guy lost in the shuffle. Um, if he comes back and makes a couple plays here or there, that's about all you can really expect from him. Um, but I do find it interesting as well that Ryan Day was talking about how he's optimistic. It's the most we've gotten out of him. And Annalee was smart last week to let these guys sit back and relax. Uh, at the end of the day, you're going to be Rutgers with your third string. <laughs> we don't need to run out guys who are nursing injuries. That's essentially an off week. Like I said on, on, on Sunday on the Bucknuts Almost Live, this is OSU's equivalent to Western Carolina was Rutgers. Yeah, no kidding. It, it does feel like they had three straight bye weeks. It really does. Um, it's nice to have a big game this week. Uh, it just, you know, this is a different feel. I just, when you're playing Rutgers in Maryland, it's just, uh, it, it kind of feels more like a bye week than it does certainly a big game week. I want to close with talking about ticket prices, and this is not just an Ohio State issue. This is an issue across the country, big-time programs that are charging you know, upwards of $200 for face value tickets, where even for big games like this Saturday against Penn State, um, and you can speak on this more than I can, I and mean, you can probably go to the secondary market and get you know good seats for half price of what the face value says. And that just – I want you to speak on that and – what can be done? Do you think anything will be done in future seasons? Um, because you got to think schools are getting sick of seeing, like, <laughs> you know, their prices being sold on the secondary market for, you know, half what the value is. And the TV experience backs get so much better each year. I've always thought football was made for TV. Did you see the game so much better on on TV than you do in person? And the TV experience gets better every year, whereas ticket prices go up every year. A lot to unpack there, but you're an expert on this. Uh, what can be done? What do you think will happen with uh, ticket prices in the future? Well, first of all, this game is not sold out this weekend. When was the last time you remember a top 10 opponent coming to town for a game that could clinch the division championship and the game not being sold out? Insane. But the reason it's not sold out is because OSU is charging the insane price of $210 a ticket for garbage seats and C-Deck. No one is going to pay that. Right now, if you go on StubHub, tickets are like 130 140 bucks a ticket. That's dirt cheap. <laughs> In the end of the day, you're going to see those tickets down close to 100 bucks a piece when they get closer to kickoff Friday and Saturday, right? OSU is just trying to gouge people on ticket prices. These ticket prices have gone up, and they just announced that they weren't going to raise tickets for next year. Well, whoop-de-doo, you should be cutting ticket prices. They're trying to charge 150 bucks a ticket next year for Nebraska and Iowa. Who's going to pay that? No one for Upper Decks. 
And when OSU charges the same price for tickets in the A deck, C deck, B deck, it doesn't matter. Nobody's going to want the crappy seats. What OSU needs to do is make the C deck tickets a lot cheaper and make the A deck tickets more expensive so that the people who want to sit in the better seats are going to pay that better seat price. Or, this is just crazy talk here, but since uh, two years ago, Big Ten Network TV money has gone up by $16 million at school. Do they really need tickets this expensive? You're going to keep seeing empty seats in these stadiums. And I know OSU is claiming that these seats are filled, but I've been on Ticketmaster in the morning, the day of games, because I want to see what's still there. And there's been a lot of these games where there's what appears to be thousands of, of unsold seats. So I, I, something's going to give here. OSU's already reduced the capacity of the stadium trying to account for this. It used to be 105 or 6,000. Now it's 101,000, the official capacity, something like that. And I'm sorry, but how, here's the other question. How many people are going to pay $250 after fees to Ticketmaster for the Michigan ticket and CDEC next year? Right now, maybe. But what if Michigan's 7-4 and four coming into the horseshoe next year? Probably not. I mean, whenever you have a top 10 team like Penn State coming into town and you can't sell out, it means you've massively overpriced your tickets. All right, for a family of four to go to this Penn State game, they're looking at spending 850 bucks on tickets. Then they're going to spend another 20 to 50 on parking. Then they're going to spend another 100 to 200 on food and drink. And they're going to freeze their butts off. And they're going to have to commit most of the day to it. Or you could spend 100 bucks on party supplies, put your butt on the couch at 11:55 a.m. And then at 3:30 you can go do lawn work once the Buckeyes are done and not waste your day. So what are you going to spend? $1,200 or $100? That's the calculus that a lot of people are starting to make. And by the way, you get a better view on TV. I agree with you. So OSU, I mean, they're like, yay, we didn't raise ticket prices next year. I'm like, your ticket prices are too high already. They're going to start having empty seats, you know. And it's I've seen commercials this year for OSU football games, advertising for people to come to the game. I've never had to see that in my life before. And the reason for it is, is that it used to be reasonable. Every game was the same price, and no game was more than 70 bucks a ticket. Now, OSU saw... People selling Michigan tickets online for $200 a ticket when they were 70 bucks a ticket. Went, well, we should get that for the entire thing. Well, the truth is Buckeye Club members have been declining to renew their membership to pay double price for season tickets because they don't see the point. They see Thursday on StubHub buying tickets for half of face value. Why should I pay this full price? What am I, a sucker? And then they also see that they can't write it off from their taxes anymore due to the new tax laws. So OSU, instead of saying, well, 5% of the inventory will sell for a massive markup, the rest of it's at a locked-in lower price to people who consistently do it, is now seeing 10%, 15% of that inventory on the market. And that number is only going to go up when people realize it's not worth holding onto their seats. The big money people will always buy the big money good seats. But what you're going to start seeing is a lot of trouble selling seats in C deck and the top of B deck. And that's not going to change until OSU drastically lowers ticket prices. Otherwise, they're going to be like some of these big schools where there's 5,000, 6,000, 7,000, 8,000 empty seats for a lot of the mid-level games because nobody's going to make the effort to go. And, you know, I, I really wish that the OSU Board of Trustees would recognize that because for every one of those empty seats, that's another 150, 200 bucks people aren't spending on merchandise, beer, food, popcorn, parking, you name it. And that's just costing them more money. You cannot inflate your ticket prices and expect OSU fans to pay it forever. And that's why they've had to do stuff like three-game packs this year and all this other craziness. That's why tickets are still available and we're days away from a two-versus-eight matchup. Too expensive, plain and simple. 
Excellent insights, as always, from the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale. Really appreciate it, Bax, and I appreciate all the listeners out there for tuning into the show. Hope everyone has a great day. Let's hear the Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. Bye.